0: Patriotism is a feeling. Let's not forget that. Patriotism ain't no one song. For as long as we stand and agree that people died for us to kick it, we can do that to any song. You can do that to Bruno Mars. What's more American than Bruno Mars? They say America is a melting pot. Well, damn it, I want to stand to Bruno Mars. He literally looks like every race at the same time. What's better than that? What's more American than us standing with a Hawaiian, Mexican, white, lesbian, Jewish man <laughs> to honor the truth? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we ask that you please rise as we sing our national anthem, 24-karat magic. <laughs> Remove your hats and put your pinky rings to the moon at this time.
1: Yo, 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 welcome to Unculture Bias Podcast I'm back I mean, it really, I really didn't really leave I took like a week break, man I, I did say though I did say that I had the option of coming back If, you know, something warranted in black culture I did say, preface that with Kendrick Obviously Kendrick hasn't dropped But, uh, another significant album dropped In black culture And obviously I'm talking about Silk Sonic Um, I started off the song or rather the pod with uh, the Leave the Door Open. And, you know, obviously it's a great song and it's their lead single and it's fantastic. But I actually thought that was really a fascinating single uh, for a number of different reasons. Just because the term, actually, if you may or may not know that Leave the Door Open is actually an evidential, evidentiary term uh, that's used by legal professionals in the courtroom. And we often say that when somebody leaves the door open, it gives them the option to allow further action or discussion on a subject or mat- subject matter. And it's, if somebody, let's say, you know, they didn't, you know, they didn't close the door on something, then opposing counsel can say, Oh, well they left the door open so we can actually bring in something new to add it and add it to the conversation. Um, I think that's interesting because I think, you know, both in uh, symbolically and theoretically, I think that's what Bruno Omar does to the culture. Um, he obviously, he is, really great at uh, taking things from black culture and creating this, um I, you know, added conversation of context that really broadens maybe the appeal of it, or some even say make a culture of ultra. I don't know, but I think it does it. I uh, interesting thing of leaving the door open, you know, because nobody in black culture has to like cut off the interest of black music. Right. And because we haven't done that, uh, we've allowed other people to come in and take from that and you know create an a, a career in the style. and Bruno Mars is really, really fascinating in his um ideal of a taking things that are cultural uh significance in our musical history and you know, putting a new spin on it or even, you know, making a caricature of it. so, um, that's really what I want to get into, but before we get into that, welcome back to the Uncultural Bias Podcast. My name is Kamara Williams. I am your host. Under so you say that culture is a matter of perspective and opinion. After all, culture is just another way to say discovery. We are on we are biased, when We're black. I know I said I was going to take a break. Um, technically, we are still on a winter break, but you know, here we are. If you are listening on Apple, please rate this podcast a five star po- uh, five star rated podcast. If you're listening on Apple and Spotify, please share it with your friends. Uh, we have no you know, um, sponsors this week because this is technically not supposed to be doing a pod, but we're still gonna rock anyway. Uh we're gonna lead right into this thing because I know that's what you you guys came here for again. Uh welcome back. Um if, if you haven't listened, why haven't you? I'm not gonna get on that, but whatever. Uh so joining us actually on this pod are two of my boys, man. We're gonna start off with uh my boy Rob. You you know, what's up, Rob?
2: what's going on what's happening cam what's
1: going on man you know y'all know who rob is man need no further introduction he have been on this pod several times actually was posting on the last pod of the the year you know it's insecure joint
2: um you know and you know we I, did so well you had to bring me back i, I understand I, know. I understand
1: you like insecure right now you, you feeling it oh i'm feeling it
2: yeah. oh that last episode was fire
1: yeah i think that's their best i think that's actually one of the top five episodes they've done
2: on the oh for sure it's for it's sure so
1: layered man um and then I'm bringing in my man, Ronnie, Ronnie Harfield, man. He's, uh, I, I'm interested in him as the vibe dealer. Cause that's actually how he goes by, but he really is, you know, some people will, like give themselves labels and they don't really match, but actually Ron, that actually matches, man. the, um, the guy's hands and, uh, I would say he, he has a pulse of the culture, especially in central Florida, uh, does different events. He's a DJ, but more importantly, he's a music connoisseur. If you follow him on social media, um, the man, you know, music is life, better can, you know, um, uh, excuse me uh uh barrington levy and 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 barris hammond especially says uh music is life and uh ronnie actually believes in that uh so what's up ron
3: what's going on what's going on man it's a pleasure to be here yeah. you know first time on here but you know, long time listener so i'm here
1: <laughs> first time caller long time listener
2: <laughs>
1: uh no but you know we ron we actually been talking you know you and i you know us getting you on the pod and, you know, doing some things together. So I'm glad we finally got to get you on. I think this is a big one to have you on. Um, So I'm glad you're able to join us, man. And even at the last moment, Uh, I do want to say, because I love y'all so much, I literally was in, I drove to Jacksonville, had a four-hour meeting, came back, drove back to Jacksonville, and just to record this podcast. Okay? So we appreciate you. That's love, everybody. I just hope y'all appreciate the sacrifice. Anyway, um, let's get right into it, man. Like, what'd y'all think about, you know, the album? I'll start with you. Uh, I'll, well, I'll start with you, Ron, because I know already know how you feel about it, Rob. So I'll start with you.
3: I mean, uh, I waited till midnight to hear it. Uh, I already loved this all, you know, the first two singles I was already in love with both of them, actually. Um, and then after listening to the whole thing, I gave it five stars, you know, five mics, whatever you want to give it. Like, it was a, it was that album for me. I'm a big, you know, I love the 70s funk, uh, the soul kind of vibe. So, like, it was every song that came on was the same but different. It was, like, it all gelled together, nine songs. They didn't try to do too much. So, it was, you know, I've been listening to it all day. Like, it's
1: it's that album for me. Yeah. Um. Would you say it's probably – I know I said this on social media, but if you would say – towards the end of the year now would you put that where would you rank it as far as albums period of the year like hip-hop or whatever Just. yeah if it's
3: all genres it's either one or two for me my favorite probably still might be tyler the creator
0: yeah but
3: uh man this is one of it's both of those and you know if it, if it came down to it if it was the grammy ugh, i don't know i probably would give it to uh silk sonic actually yeah yeah, but, you know, right now, you know, it's still you know the uh, honeymoon stage of the album. But you know, give me another week, I probably end up sticking with it too.
1: Yeah, actually, it's interesting um, because uh, Rob and I, you know, and Rob, you can jump in here. We looked mm-hmm. at it, and I don't know if it's going to make the 2022 Grammys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It right. Yeah.
2: We looked it up in September 30th was a cutoff. Mm-hmm. So September the end of September is a cutoff, it seems like every year. So they just, just missed the cutoff for it. Um but I agree with everything that Ronnie said. Uh, great album. Um so soulful, so smooth. Uh it flows through the nine tracks just rise and flows so beautifully, so perfectly. Um, and we miss that, we miss that. Uh, I know we'll get into this later, but just the, so many albums nowadays sound like mixtapes yeah. to mm-hmm. me, Yeah. where you just put together 10 tracks, 10, 12 tracks and said, okay, this sounds, this sounds good. But when you really listen to the Silk Sonic album, um, the songs are placed strategically there's a reason that leave the door open starts it. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, they're smoking in the car, smoking cigarettes and, and the girl leaves them. Then they got to get, they, get they pimping back with the triple seven. And so there's a method to the madness with all that. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta peep that. So, um, like Ronnie said, great album, truly enjoyed it. Um, Hey, even for, even for nine tracks. And, and I'll admit, I'll admit, when I heard that it was only going to be nine tracks and three of them I heard already, I was like, man, come on. Like, that's all you're giving me? We've been waiting. We've literally been waiting nine months for this. And that's all you're going to give me? Mm-hmm. But of course, I listened to it and I listened to how beautifully it was put together. I was like... All right. I'll, I'll i'll give y'all a pass <laughs> I'll, I'll let you uh, can ride. i say uh
3: with the nine tracks uh let me give you three yeah. albums classic albums that have nine tracks
2: okay yeah thriller yeah mm.
3: purple rain mm. illmatic yeah. all nine mm. tracks. Yeah. so you know i feel like you know word to jay-z less is more it's plenty it was it was it was enough i, I wanted more but i think more would have started you know it would have threw it off a little bit so maybe longer tracks opposed to more tracks
2: listen that lineup that he just put up (laughs) you can't you you can't argue that lineup
1: (laughs) so so can i can i challenge can i challenge it a little bit though and so i agree though i think you know a lot of times and we can get into the deep dive of it in a moment but when you listen to albums now, it's a lot of filler tracks, right? They have 15 tracks, but and then you I know sometimes you you walk away from album like, damn man, this album could have been a classic, if they just dropped three of them, bitches. Like they didn't have to do three, they didn't have to do 15 tracks. They could have kept it a strong 12 a strong 11, and that thing would have been tight. But because tracks four through eight was like you know <laughs> uh, a little sketchy, you know what I mean? Like it's not, it doesn't, it's not doing what it's supposed to do. So I do agree that some, you know, the best. Um, the, the best albums are the ones who ho- have restraint, right, in themselves. Like, they can I can hold back because I, I know if I do a little bit more, I might be overextending the interest level of this album. And so you appreciate that. What do they say about fashion? Um, a famous fashion quote is like, um, put everything you want to wa- wear on, and then before you walk out the door, take something, take one thing off. Right, you know, like, and so, like, it's the, the restraint of the idea. You know, I'm a big fashion guy. So the restraint of the I- idea of always – um you know curtailing The uh the storytelling of yourself Or the album I think it's it's great It is it's a great discipline However <laughs> uh, I do want to say Um the the three Albums that you mentioned yes You're right uh, and also you got a Uh off the wall I think off the wall Only had like nine tracks as well Yeah yes. which is the best Michael Jackson album anyway
2: um <laughs> That's another podcast. That's another- <laughs> that's another- <laughs> okay, no. Don't start. Don't start. We've no, been,
1: no, been here yeah, we don't have to get into that. We've but been here before. Yeah. Don't start. Yeah, I know. I know. That's sorry. I, but I <laughs> shout out to <the laughs> Off the Wall. I love Off the Wall album. Um,
2: <laughs> Thriller. Okay. Thriller.
1: Oh, you know what? Bad actually. You, Rob. You and I talked about this. Like, Bad actually makes a strong case. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, so bad
2: does. Mm-hmm. Bad
1: makes a strong. When you go, when you put them up, you know, round for round on the verses. Bad makes a strong <laughs> case against some certain albums. You know, um, you know. I mean, nobody's. T- I, I. Anyway, I don't want to get into it. I don't want to get into it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway the thing about those albums you mentioned, that was a different time period, right? When things were so like, think about, let's, let's talk about it. Um, when thriller came out, it's, and you, and when you go back and you look at thriller, like they really released singles, you know, like 18 months in event, like, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) things lasted. people had a longer attention span. So you can drop a, a single kind of the way Bruno Mars and, 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 um, and Anderson Park did it, and eight months later, the album would come out. Like, that was a natural progression. They allowed the single to catch fire, create a buzz, you know, and people would be patient with that. And so, you know, it's like the appetite was a lot different in those times. Even something as Illmatic, which came out like 30, 30 years ago, 30-plus years ago, um, the appetite, you know, what, how the Illmatic come out? Like, 93? Yeah, like, like, like 92 92 mm-hmm. yeah yeah so we're almost we're almost at like prepared, yeah and so you know um yeah it's at 28 years because they not the 27 summers on the, on the oh, <laughs> King's disease yeah. yeah so um but you, you you think about the appetite was even different 28 years ago you know what I mean mm-hmm. so it's like you have to think about the way people and obviously you talking about purple rain again album singles things were a lot different to consumption. And so I would say that, yes, nine tracks are, you know, generally great albums. Hold on to those nine tracks. And I guess that's kind of what Silk Sonic was doing. They're trying to get back to that time. But also the idea that you gave us ideally three, three songs and, you know, the course of, I don't know, um, eight months. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you dropped an album and so we've already heard 33% of the album. And then kind of take away from track one, because track one really was just an introduction track. So, you know, we, really, we, had, we just had really five songs to kind of sit on. You know what I mean? And so the idea that we consume music in a lot different way. And so is it normal to say to compare it to something, to a, to a bygone era of music consumption when we today look at music or consume music in an entirely different fashion, especially with streaming and the way we have access to tons of music, you know, can it hold the attention? You know what I mean? Like, is nine tracks enough to hold the attention? So, I, I know that I, was a that was a long way to get to the to the front yeah. entrance, but I just wanted to kind of offer that. I mean, what are your guys' thoughts?
3: I mean, I agree with what you said, you know, about the appetite, you know, because, you know, what I call this generation of music. We're the microwave generation. Mm-hmm. We want it real quick. You know, we, you know, oh, man, the single comes out. That album needs to be dropping, you know, a month. So and I respect the way, you know, Silk Sonic went about it. Like, you know what? We're going to go back to the old school way of dropping it. And which made it even though I do agree, you know, only getting five and a half you know, new songs pretty much. It it did, it had me wanting for more, but when I take myself away from this generation's expectations and just listen to it for what it is, I think it still holds up with those albums. You know, it's just, well, and then I don't even think like a lot of those songs are gonna be on the radio like that. Yeah, I just think that kind of music is not gonna be played on, you know, a lot of these radio tracks. So it's, I think it's gonna be an album that we're gonna listen to. For a while, we're gonna. It's gonna be. It reminds me another album that has nine is uh, 24K. Uh, so yeah. and he kind of dropped 20, when the first track dropped. He didn't drop the album for three or four months. So, but he gave us another single too. So, like, I think they're just trying to give us a different way of, you know, mm-hmm. getting the music or just the older way of getting the music, which I kind of respect a lot more. Yeah, because it just it build up. Gave, it gave it to me.
2: Yeah, it's a it's an interesting calculated risk that they took
1: hold on to Do that you, word bro. calculated I it. calculated because I, th- I, I, I want to get it's into
2: calculated Br- risk because you have two seasoned artists doing this in Bruno Mars and Anderson pop so it's not like it was a new artist that has a lot of hype machine behind them and decided to come out with this you've got two seasoned artists to Ronnie's point with Bruno he's done this with 24k and with um what is it duwatt the the first that first album
0: mm-hmm.
2: we could probably look back on it right now and notice it's probably got about the same amount of tracks
0: mm-hmm.
2: on on um on his first album too mm-hmm. so this is kind of bruno's calling card mm-hmm. to be a throwback artist yeah and it's really interesting and it's worked for him before clearly it's worked in the past for him And so I'm not surprised that he said, okay, we're going to make a seventies sounding album and we're going to roll it out. Like we're in the seventies and let's see how this new millennium consumes it. And I'm, I think that for us, we're all, we're all 35 and older in this room right here. Mm -hmm. So Either we, remem- we remember those days and we remember when our parents told us about those days. Um, I have an album player in my house. That's in- We have a music room. My wife and I have a music room. We have an album player. My dad was a DJ in Virginia back in the day. Mm-hmm. So I was raised on this music. This this is embedded in my soul from day one, from birth. Um, and so it's refreshing and I think that's where the that's where Bruno knows that he's playing with house money on mm-hmm. this wrist because he knows there's a market out there that will find this very refreshing and truly enjoy it for what it is,
1: yeah so um first of all, shout out to the the music room. I would tell you this when I was thinking about this album, I actually immediately, <laughs> I immediately thought about my parents. And I think Ronnie, you may, we talked about this one time on social media. My, you know, my parents had my, especially my father. He had the big, you know, the <laughs> big black speakers, and then he had the whole like. Remember when sound systems took up an entire like uh, uh, entertainment uh, console? Like, you, you, my, yeah, yeah. it had the tuner, and then it had the bass, and then you had the like. It was like seven. Di- and I remember growing up, like, yeah, I kind of, I want that. You know what I mean? Like, I want whatever. I want the. <laughs> it had the tape player, with a separate thing. Then the record player. And um, it just reminded me of that man uh, of this, like having the entire system now. When you you know people's homes, you don't even need, you don't need an even a quarter of all that stuff. <laughs> you know, what I mean? even the record players are smaller. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I, I do want to just at least touch on something because I I started the opening talking about um, Bruno Mars, you know, and we can pivot back into the album in a moment like later on. But I, w- I want to get into a deep dive about Bruno Mars, and I talked about leaving the door open, um, as far as, as the metaphor and black music, and uh, you know we talked about you mentioned doo wops and, and hooligans. Um, uh, when Bruno Mars actually came into the scene, um, I mean I, he was he's a, he was a pop artist. He came in as a almost like as a pop art, not necessarily an R and B, you know. And mm-hmm. Robin, you and I talked about this privately. Rob seems to think that you know Bruno doesn't get the love in in the culture because he didn't come up in through that you know that grind that R and B black like you know the black subculture. He came up as a he was introduced to the world as a pop artist, and so therefore that's how black culture kind of views him from the jump, like as a as an initial pop artist that now has positioned himself into going into R and B specific um genres um as opposed to saying i'm gonna be another person like someone like t-pain who gets like cultural love t-pain gets straight cultural love because of like we've seen tallahassee pain from when from you know from whence he came and then like when he started when when he was having his run um and you know it, it's like there's it, it a funny twitter exchange like you know somebody tried to diss t-pain and, and all the black Twitter is like, yeah, we're not, we're not doing no T-Pain slander on here, you know? So, but T-Pain is somebody someone who gets love and culture because, <clears throat> because he's original, you know? So, I mean, talk to me, Ronnie and Rob, about how you feel about Bruno Mars and his, like, I guess, you know, um, does he get that love? Is it na is it, I mean, do you feel like he's getting the necessary love or do you feel, you know, he's not, it's not deserved.
2: Go ahead, Rob. It, it- And Ronnie, I'll give you a little more background on this conversation. So I've like, it's always seemed to me like he's not as embraced in the culture as you would think um, from a man that samples our sounds Mm -hmm. but he's not, and he has soul, but he's not embraced in our culture. And it's, you wonder like with the T-Pain comparison, we embrace people that we saw them when they were just like the struggling artists, when they were just trying to break ground and they were hitting the local clubs and hitting the local colleges and everything. And to, I not to any fault of his own, but Bruno, when he came on the scene, he came on the scene, like he came in with the huge, with the label behind him, with the huge marketing behind him and he hit the scene hard straight out the gate and do we kind of penalize him for that we we, i feel like we kind of penalize him for not seeing maybe if we got that underground bruno mars album first if we got that underground mixtape from him first we would have a stronger appreciation so what, what what are your thoughts ronnie on on like how we view him in the culture
3: I think we view him like a lot of people view Mariah Carey. They're like, you know, she came out very pop. Like first mm-hmm. you know, couple of albums, like, oh man, I remember my aunt who loves music. She was just like, I don't like her like that. Until I think it was the Fantasy album, uh, whatever the whatever she got puffed Daddy and JD and all them in there, and that was like, oh man, all right. And, but even still, like if you make a post on Facebook now about like Mary J. Blige. Uh, Whitney Houston, Mara Carey. A lot of people are taking Mara Carey out because they're like, oh man, you know, she was pop, she was just whatever. When, you know, if you really look at her origins, she's always been R&B, very heavy. She tried to implement it in there, but the label was doing so much. I feel the same way with Bruno. Bruno came out, well, he started off, you know, technically with, the first time I heard him was on B.O.B.'s track. The, right, right. And I was like, okay, you know, buddy. Then I heard he was on Coke. And I was like, okay, Right, what's up with this dude? Then it was like the beautiful, like the, not the beautiful girl, the you know the other songs. I wasn't a Bruno fan at first, probably until uh, Gorilla, and I was mm. like, okay, you know, and that's actually uh, Neptune's produced that track, mm. and um, I was like, oh man, like this dude right here, it's just some soul by, behind this. And then you know when Twenty Four K came out, maybe go back and really appreciate him So I do think the culture he is penalized because of how he started. And, you know, in his background as well. But I do feel like we're not giving enough credit to what he's actually doing. He's bringing back the more Day sound. And these, these sounds that ourselves as a culture, we don't even pay homage to these, you know, these artists and these sounds anymore. And we're, yes, he's doing it, but who else is? Because we left, the, we
1: left the door open for that.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm,
3: <laughs> I'm, saying that, I'm like, wow, you, you're right. That's definitely what it is. We left it open. And so he came in, he did it well. Yeah. And you know, I can't fault him for it, anything else, but he really loves the culture. Like it's I, I i I I respect that man as you know an artist more than anything.
1: So you actually you mentioned um Gorilla. I would say the song and same album that I started loving um Bruno Mars, and when it wasn't like a black thing to love Bruno Mars was locked out of heaven. I mm-hmm. loved that song. I was like, oh. oh yeah, yeah, you are right. I was like that is a I was like, oh, cuz I wasn't <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't, wasn't I mean, doo-wops and I was like, "Eh, he's all right." You know what I mean? But then yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when he came with Unorthodox Jukebox but uh, d- locked out of heaven, I was like, "Oh shit." Like who like he okay. Okay, Bruno, <laughs> you know? So, um mm-hmm. but he still wasn't really I would say even say, like, a black artist. Even, like, I did, like, Gorilla, and, you know, I think it was, like, um If I Knew, I think that was another good one, like, you know, on that album. So, I like, it was a couple of good songs on there. Oh, When I Was Your Man, that was a good one, too. You know? That was a good one. That was a really yeah. good one. Um, But, and that's when he started tinkering with that soulful ideal. But it really wasn't until, like, 24 Karat, where Bruno, like, I'm going to lean into this thing of black culture. Like, I'm leaning in right and i think what i really want to focus on um 24 karat cuz i think that was like i think bruno had an epiphany and to your point he said oh there here's an era of like black music that is not really being you know brought back it's not really and so nobody's doing it especially in 2016 nobody was really even trying to do that and he was like i'm going to do early 90s late 80s type of sound, you know, type of uh, sound. And um, what I would say about black music is fascinating is that in every tenor of black music, there's, we have like the Neo soul. We have the, um, we, we, you know, we have new Jack swing. We have uh, in this particular album, we have uh, what we call uh, lovers, lovers R and B, you know what I mean? So we have different things strained within our black musical history and when somebody takes that thread within the tapestry of that and like reminds us like we get that feel like oh i remember this feel my grandmother used to have this type of fabric you know what i mean i remember this this particular feeling when i when i experienced this and with 24 karat it brought back that ah i remember that i remember that feeling of listening to music and it's a fascinating thing because he does something where he Get, he allows people Like black people We remember And for like For white audiences It's like they're, It's like discovery for
2: them it's, He introduces He reintroduces
1: mm-hmm. Like we remember He re He introduces You know And so yeah. It's weird Because I this And this is when it crystallized for me 24 Karat When Because remember He dropped the album And like two weeks later He announced the tour And and Or something Very shortly thereafter And I said to myself Oh I'm this is like, I was like I'm gonna go to A uh, Bruno Mars tour. This is the first time I said I was like, "I'm gonna," because I never thought about doing a Bruno Mars tour. You know, I never thought about it. So I was like, "I'm gonna." I clicked on the link, and that thing was sold out in seconds. It was gone, it was <laughs> gone. and I said to myself, "Okay, that's when it hit me." That literally had I had to. That's when it hit me. I was like, "Oh, this music wasn't for us." <laughs> this because it was. It's not only sold sort out of in seconds, but the seats were like nosebleeds, like three hundred dollars remember that and like the the floors were like 600 dollars seats and that's why I was like oh this is not this this album wasn't for us this album was for you know others you know what i mean and when i say us but i'm talking about black folk now it was a great <laughs> album for could be consumed it and we loved it and we recognized it you know but and that was what's so fantastic about it but it was a it was ideal that he created he recreated a sound and um brought it to an audience that it really wasn't Something they were used to and they were like it it allowed Them to experience a portion Of black culture without having to feel like I have to know the history of it I have To understand the significance of it And he he repurposed it for A particular crowd And it was great and it's consumption level Was I always say Bruno Mars Is the greatest cover artist Of our generation Hmm. He covers music Flawlessly I'll give him number two Okay. The game, and, the game, and nobody covers like the game. Okay, the game can be anybody. Yeah. Okay. I see. I, I can. I okay. I can see where you're going with that. But you know, he does an amazing job of like taking things for that are particularly of a subculture of black culture. You know, let's say twenty four karat and it's a you know it's it's a new jack swing, early '90s, late '80s type of music, and creating a making it mass consumable. For the mm-hmm. public, and you don't have to know who Teddy Riley is to understand. You know what I mean? You don't have to know anything about New Jack Swing to be like, I'm gonna get with that. I'm gonna still get with that New Jack Swing type of idea. You know what I mean? Like, it's 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 a fascinating thing to see our culture being repurposed for a wider mass consumption. I know I did a lot of talking there, but what you know, Ron? What do you think about that? Say Rob? Ron, Ron.
3: You. Oh, I mean, I, I agree 100 percent You know, uh, you know, being at work, you hear, you know, they are they're, they're playing the music. And I'm like, yo, this is stuff I've probably been playing at work the whole time. You know, I've been playing mm-hmm. the I like and it's the same kind of vibe of the Morris days and all that. But now you're getting it too and you think you know like you know, growing up I went to the concert, I'm like, well, you know, I've been in this, I've been in the trenches since eighty four. Right, you know? right, right. And you're just getting it now. But I mean I, I appreciate it. Um, and he's not uh, I, like you know. People say culture vulture. I don't feel that from him. I really think he, he gives me Tierra Marie. Mm. Like, oh man, I'm really about this culture. Like, I was, you know, I, I grew up on this. Right. So like, if he was like taking it and like running away from it, like if he if this album, if Bruno would have did an album right now, and it would have went back to pop again or something like that, I'd have been like, uh, all right, maybe so. But he went and grabbed Anderson Pop. And made a 70s album this
1: time. Right. So, you know, I don't know if it's gonna have the same effect, but I am interested to see. Um, so I would say, and Rob, I'm gonna bring you in, in, a, in a second, but I would say that the reason, because you used the word, Rob, calculated. Um, yep. Everything about Bruno yep. Mars is very calculated, I've noted. And and to me, um, it makes sense why he went in this direction, especially bringing in Anderson Pocket. And we'll, I'm gonna give Anderson Pocket's roses. Later on in this pod Because I think he deserves I want to talk heavily about him But um, The idea behind Bruno saying I feel like he's doub- He doubled down he's like, He saw That lane worked And he's like Oh Shit So let me go ahead And <laughs> let me go ahead And keep doing Let me keep giving this energy What is another sub Subsection of black Musical culture That I can actually Tap into That hasn't right. been Done Oh Lovers rock night, You know Lovers rock uh, R&B You know what I mean Lovers uh, You know what I'm saying That that Teddy Pentagrath, you know what I mean? That
2: seventies, that, 70s, that Curtis, Marvin Gaye. That Curtis yes.
1: Mayfield. You know what I mean? Yep. You know what I mean? Like those type of, you know, the that type of R&B that we know we grew up on, but to those who are new to the culture, be like, I don't know anything about no damn Curtis Mayfield. You know what I mean? They were like, I don't know nothing
2: about no Bootsy Collins. You know what, <laughs> what I'm mean? saying? There, awesome. there it is. I was he just about to Bootsy say on there. Yeah. I wanna apologize that we've gone about 30, 40 minutes into this pod, and this is the first time we mentioned Bootsy. (laughs) Yeah. Because it is clear that he was the mentor for this album. Yeah. He was the inspiration and he was the advisor in every session. I can see I bet Bootsy was advising in every session, recording session that they had, because there's a reason that it's Bootsy Collins presents yeah. Silk Sonic, mm-hmm. and so I can just see um, Bruno and Anderson going to Bootsy and said, "All right, take us back to 1973. Take us back to that vibe. Take us. What was your mindset? What, what was what was the groove? What what got you? What got you in that pimp pimp style mindset?" back in the day. And Bootsy painted the picture for them. And they said, okay, we're going to take that. We're going to add a little new school spin on it. And we're going to do what Bruno does so well. We're going to make it consumable for the masses as well. So that is extremely difficult to do. To put that puzzle together is a lot easier said than done. And Bruno needs to be acknowledged and respected for the ability to do that. You may not love it. You may not, you may say that it's too mainstream, it's too poppy for you, but respect the craft and respect the ability to take an old school sound and a traditional cultural sound and put a spin on it, but still make it so that you know you're paying in My opinion proper homage to the past.
1: So, th- th- to give uh sh- shine a light on, on um Bootsy, Bootsy actually named him Silk Sonic.
2: There you go, he he, okay. he yeah. um
1: he's the one who came up with the name, and um, you know, so you're right, his influence and imprint was apparent um on all over this this album. I do want to say though, man, like. The thing about r b especially like that lover's R&B, lover's uh, um, uh, that type of, you know, this RB and period, but particularly that subjection, like when we listen to that r and it's like, it's like you you curl up your face and you're like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like it's a, it's a very, R&B is, is amazing because it's like it's hodgepodge of a dirty, beautiful stew. You know what I mean? That is, it's just messy. And like even the artists we talk about, you know what I mean? Like are just messy. Like Teddy Pantagrass is messy, but it's like it's beautiful. You know what I'm saying? Curtis Mayfield was messy. You know what I'm saying? But it's 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 you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like these type of artists uh are white. You know what I mean? Smooth as he is, it's just it's like messy. You know what I mean? But it's like it's a beautiful mess. And the thing about I would say um organized chaos. chaos. Yes, yeah, organized chaos. But the thing and thing about um Bruno Mars, he gives a very sterilized version of our black music. That's very consumable, I would say. It's like he—he's mm-hmm. like he—it's like he takes, um, grandmas or gra- grandpas, better better analogy, grandpa's uh, barbecue recipe that was, uh, uh, came out of the smokehouse of the backwoods of Tennessee. You know what I mean? And he—and and then he creates a market as palatable uh barbecue shacks all across the southeast. That may not now have it's to, in Walmart. It's in now Walmart. It's, now you can right. buy it in Walmart, and it—it it, it, it may not be as you know, signature as the, as uh grandpa's uh, signature recipe. Cause it has to take some stuff out, you know what I mean? Cause it has mm-hmm. to be consumable. So when you taste it for us, like, cause we remember the recipe, we're like, oh, I remember this. It's kind of, but it's not the same, but I remember this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I remember this, but for those who are introduced to it, they're like, ah, oh, that's good. That's some good old barbecue. And it, I, you know, it's the first time I've tasted this thing and it's great. You know what I mean? And that's kind of how I feel about it. Like it's great barbecue, but it's like, it's, it's missing the add- additives. It's all the R&B, it's all the R&B tastes without the R&B additives. You know what I mean? And so that's how I feel and that's, about
2: it. And that's why there's the resistance in our culture to Bruno, mm-hmm. because it's not that down home backwoods recipe to its core. Right. You can taste, you can taste the mainstream in it. And it's still great. It's still good. It's yeah. that's my thing, and it's still great, and it's still good. And especially nowadays, where let's just be honest, all of our best R and B artists, for the most part, with the exception of maybe her and maybe one or two other artists, we have to go in the we have to go in the backwoods to, to get our best R and B. Now it's not mm-hmm. played on the radio not at all. You don't, you don't get our best you don't hear divion on the radio unless you unless you're listening to the black station you're not you're not hearing snow allegra you're not hearing division you're not hearing them on the radio on the mass radio you've got to go to the backwoods to hear them mm-hmm. and that's where i i appreciate a silk sonic or saying all right hey this is the sound this is the cultural sound we're gonna make it a little more consumable for you, but you know, hey, recognize where we got this from. Right. Recognize our influences and in where this came from. So I would love to see, to your point, Kamar, I would love to see their next Grammy performance, Bootsy Collins on stage. Right. So, Curtis Mayfield, you know, some, some, some of our classics, you know, some of our greats coming on stage in 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 um them paying proper homage on a main stage like the Grammys that would be really really dope to me.
1: So I, w- I want to say this man um the thing about uh, R and B and this is kind of where I want to take this up, the conversation next uh, Ron and you know jump in this one I- I'm sorry did you want to do a follow up to that or did you uh, to No nah, I agree hundred percent I was like yes
3: yes yeah. everything
1: okay <laughs> yeah so um so. Let's just talk about the state of music and R and B, right? Um, the thing I, I did appreciate about this album is the album did something that was very very instinctive, but it's often missed with music. They did uh, three things for me. One, it brought in the art; it brought brought back the art of storytelling. Like mm-hmm. it was a fascinating thing to listen to this album. And it was a seamless transition. We we talked about Tyler, the creator. Tyler's album was very seamless because it was a very storytelling album. You know what I mean? It was very – it told the story. The best albums, I feel like, tell a story. It gives you a picture. And this album, it's almost felt like they were either collectively or individually singing um, to one or two women that have either – that brought them the emotions of lust, love, you know, anger, you know what I mean, passion Mm – and it was it was reminiscent of Marvin Gaye singing Sexual Healing in the studio cuz he was watching the he saw the producer's daughter and it kind of inspired him which is actually a creepy story but anyway the fact of the matter is but it's like it was you can tell when the artist is like f- hyper focused on a particular subject matter or individual and it 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 emotes from the music and i felt like that was something that was very well Crafted in this album It was a great storytelling album From track 2 All the way to track 9 Right um, Obviously track 1 being the intro That was number 1 Number 2 uh, The thing I loved about it was It brought back the musicality of R&B And that was something that was really great Like when you heard about When you hear about uh, um, The chord switches like it was, Some R&B records now Only give like 1 or 2 chords you know what I mean, but this one had three chords. Three actually it had some some songs like his switching chord, different different um of, of sound within the multiple music. Layers. multiple multiple layers. and mm-hmm. the, the instrumentality behind that was really really great, and we don't hear that. And actually, what it is is like we talked about recipes. Um, you know, we heard that that old saying like you know we're this generation's losing the recipe. We're losing the recipe of great bands being um, being in. Music, right? You know what I mean. Not having the bassists, not having you know, what I mean the drums, not having the guitar, not having the keyboardists. You know what I mean. Not having the backup singers and the lead vocalist. You know what I mean. Like the guitar, we're we're losing that recipe. But you hear that in this album, and I think that's really really great to hear this the the different types of chord changes within each record. Um, so that's something that I appreciate. And the last thing what I appreciate about the album is it brought back the bridge. You know what I mean? There was. <laughs> you know I want you to get out my notes man Everything you've been saying I'm like <laughs> <laughs> So like yeah So I would say It brought back the bridge So Ronnie since I Since I I took your thunder I'm gonna let you go ahead go and ahead. Be, Yeah go ahead
2: Do your thing Do Ronnie Do your thing man I'm, so I'm sorry t- Take them to the bridge, oh, take yeah. them to yeah. the bridge so Let's go to the
1: bridge I mean if If
3: you, if anybody listening Who knows me My last event that I did Was called the bridge You mm-hmm. know cause I just I missed that part of R&B So that was, you know, from from Leave the Door Open, when I heard, okay, we got a little bridge here, and it was, every track gave it to you, and they, like, a good bridge completely switches it up, and yeah. they did it with perfection. Um, what you said about the instruments, yes, I, I, you hear them all over, like, you're like, oh, man, I can hear that, I can hear that, and not only do you hear them, you hear them with the artists. You know that they all were in the studio together, yeah. not, well, like, I sent you the track over here, yeah. and then with, you know that that, that studio session was a studio session. Yeah. And that's, I think with R&B, for real, what we're missing is people actually, you know, together, R B and rap actually. Yeah, like, yeah. Cool. Get in the studio together make that magic, man. You know, yeah. uh, Quincy Jones said, I forgot, I think it's on his documentary, he's like, you got to leave a little for the magic. So when they, when they make all the music, you know, just leave, leave. Sometimes, like you said, when you get fast, take something off. Yeah. And I think yeah. that actually worked in their case this time too. Uh, I think Quincy Jones actually, help with one of the tracks, too. I'm not 100% sure, but mm. I'm going to check it that. But um, I get that feel. Big Sean uh, actually wrote track three. Mm. Maybe, uh, it's the one that kind of raps a little bit. Fly? Fly is uh, me? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. Yeah, he, he wrote He wrote on that one. Uh, if you look on the... What's the name? So. But yeah, for sure, man. Like, being in the studio, the bridge... Uh, I can say this about the radio, which uh, Rob was saying earlier, you know, how all that stuff's on the radio. I think the difference... Of the times now is we don't really go to the radio for music as much anymore. Like you know, even like you know, of course us thirty five plus, we we you know we're Apple Music or whatever. Uh, but even my daughter who's thirteen, she doesn't even like the stuff on the radio. I'm like, dang, you know, the radio was it for us? Like that was the in all be like, I gotta get on the radio. That's up until you know the late two thousands where it was like everything stream or you know YouTube or whatever. So it's 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 a breath of fresh air to hear them on the radio. You're like, okay, so what else y'all got? Like, Give me somebody else who's going to do something soon and give these lesser known new artists, because there's plenty of them out there who do the same kind of music. Give them some chance in there too. So I like the direction of what they did, and I hope that it leaves the door open for more of our artists.
2: Yeah, I mean, the br- we grew up on the bridges. I mean... That's why we still love the Drew Hills, the Jodeci's, the uh 112s I mean, when Drew, I mean, when Jodice goes into baby, I'm begging, baby, I'm begging, be- come on now. Yeah. <laughs> it just adds and there's been so many times where I've listened to new artists and I've listened to their music. And i will be feeling a song and it'd be a bop, oh, that first, first verse, and it's that over. second verse, chorus, done. And I'd be like, oh my God. If y'all just improvised a bridge right there, it would have set the whole song off. And, and you know, because the bridge, that sets off your live show too. Hmm. Because when you have a dope bridge, that's when that's when the instrumentals that's when the percussions that's when the drummers that's when they go off that's, that's when, when the you can audience, everybody knows and you can just feel it and that's when you really feel that bop when when that comes in so mm-hmm. i i can't wait to see like them just even if i have to watch it on tv I, depending on what my coins look like i don't know if i'm going to make it to that to that it. silk sonic concert <laughs> depending on the coins but I just can't wait to see how they just like completely use the instruments and just live in this whole album up and just, you know, improvise it and just, that's, I know it's just gonna be great. So,
3: speaking of concert, how do you think they would even do that? You think it would be a, you know, a Bruno set, Anderson set, then they just come at the
1: end and do it? I think, I think that would have to, cause it's it's nine tracks. I think they have to like, you know, play. And you know, like yeah, we're going to get into the Anderson .pop thing cuz I really want to talk about him but just really quickly you said something Rob and you know and Ronnie you were you were uh nodding your head in affirmative I hate when artists have a bop and then it's like the song is done and it's like you had and I'd be like you had the bridge right there, like I'm like LeBron James looking at JR Reed, like you you were right, like you, the bridge was right there. Just do, a, give me a breakdown, like you know what I'm saying? Give me the give me the breakdown right there. You had it right there, and you just ended the song, and it's like again, we talk about new age consumption, and you know, um, I know this is not the type of podcast, but one of the things I didn't like about the Drake album is that it felt like it was signature of the new way of listening to music. It was, and he does, this is why I don't like Drake albums because um no, the songs are so singular in itself. There's no compatibility, in any of the songs, all the songs, there's no storytelling. It's just track one through 15, all individual splices. All, all <laughs> Yeah. Come on, man. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's not what makes a great album to me. It's like, okay, these are great songs. These are good songs, but they're not. They're not great songs. Like, w- the difference is, skate was not really that great of a single. It was a good single. It was a good single, but it's not a great single. But it's a great song in sequence of the album.
2: There you go. You know what I mean? Like, go.
1: it's a great song in the sequence of an album. Like Drake, he'll make a he'll make fifteen different bops, but it's like. There's easily easy, easy come, easy go. They're consumable. They get on the radio, get in the club. It's a vibe. It's a hook. hookah music, blah, blah, blah. But they're easily forgettable because they're not – they don't come in a sequence, and it's so they don't tell a story. And so you consume them as – and you forget them as easily as you consume them, you know? And um, the thing I like about this is that these songs are designed – or this album designed to be consumed in one setting, one through nine, you know what I mean? And, and, and back nine through one again, you know what I mean? Like you listen to it and it feels right. Just like the Tyler album. I don't know how many times you listen to Tyler, but I, I've listened to that thing like 50 times and I've found myself running through the entire album every time. It's hard to listen to album like track three through, you know, whatever. It's like, you know, you got to start from the top and go all the way through it. Next thing you know, you're on track six before you even knew it, you know? And that, it's a seamless listen. Um, and so I I've, I'm I'm appreciative of this album of what it does, of you know cr- of creating a the the art of seamless music uh, one through nine, and you know you can tell right right like you're right, Ronnie. Like, uh, the bands were clearly in the studio. You know what I mean? So um, that's like you know giving the the love to uh Bruno again. I know that the idea that he's a cultural vulture, you know, cultural vulture. That's the argument, and that he tends to take culture. But at the end of the day. What I do hope is that it inspires people to be like, uh, let's go ahead and do some of that, because there I Because I guarantee yeah. you, Bruno's not he, right now. He doubled down. His next album is probably going to be like, oh, okay, that worked. I'm going to go into neo soul now. Like I'm taking genres of black culture, and I'm going to like <laughs> now. Now I'm going to get into my neo soul bag, you know, and and and, and get into that because you know we're not they're not doing that anymore, you know, and. Bruno's like he was, he's great at recognizing great feelings in black music and in bringing it out to the masses and for um, for greater for greater uh, uh, consumption. So um, any last thoughts on that before we move on to another subject?
2: I think we covered it. OK, no, no, I think, OK. okay. Yeah. Um,
1: what I also so let's I, you know, we've been playing, playing pity pat with it. Let's talk about Anderson
2: um, so let me intro I'm going intro with 4cam. I'm gonna intro I'm gonna intro um, Anderson 4cam. So okay. If you know Kamar, he is a huge Anderson Park fan. He in the Cali roots plays that up and from the day one from the day one intro he said I remember I I I'll take it back. He was like, "Yo, there's something special about this dude." Like there's something, something unique. And and one thing, if you ha- if you haven't noticed about Cam's taste in music, he loves uniqueness and variety in in the music. Something that he loves it when you take chances mm-hmm. and you step outside of the box.
0: Yeah.
2: And with Anderson, this was a guy who was uber who's uber talented yeah and just his sound is just like nothing that you you really it's hard to compare his sound to anybody else when you listen to his albums yeah um so i'll key it up to you cam so you can go on i know you're gonna really really uh stand for uh for mr mr (laughs) park
1: yeah man i i love thank you rob i love anderson park man and i would tell you man like Anderson Park is I always say this He He has no misses Like when you hear him Like nah. It's like You just, you hear him on a record And you be like Why don't more people Put him on more records Like <laughs> his, <laughs> he, he, I don't understand Like he, his, he he doesn't have a miss Like you know You hear rappers Put him on a record You be like Yo Like Damn Like he just and He just Took that thing up a notch just off, of, just off his voice And his cadence And the way His musicality And it's just you know what I love about Anderson too, though he's such a he's such a artist artist. You know what I mean? Like he's a, he he's he's such a music music person. Like you could tell he lives he lives and embodies music, even to the point where he talk, you know he says uh he you know he does a rhyme says you know what I mean I'm I'm such in the like I'm in the business that I'm I'm in that lifestyle like like he's a you you can take from what what you want like basically I'm in the I'm in the music artist. Lifestyle, even the good and the bad, you know what I mean. And so, um I love the authenticity of him, and it and it and it, it pours out in the music. And I and I mentioned it on social media. I, I do love Venice, you know, that's his uh, first album, but Malibu, mm. yep, Malibu is like it's 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 a sonic achievement, man.
2: That was my introduction to him. Malibu was my introduction to 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 Anderson and his sound and I was like, yo, what is this? Dog. This is the, this is smooth.
1: The thing this about the thing about Malibu, it still sounds good today. Yeah. Like it sounds amazing today. Like you introduce Malibu to people, people like, yo, what is this? What is this record? Like what is this album? Like it's a, it's it's like uh I think um somebody put on the on the comment section it's probably one of the top five albums in a, of the decade. It's like it's really that Great of an album um, And I loved it from the from the Start to finish and so that's when I became An Anderson Pac stan So the thing about it though I'm kind of an, uh, How does this, not Jealous not a word, word. I'm I'm, uh, I'm happy that he's getting his look From Silk Sonic I see what you're about to say <laughs> I'm happy But I feel like okay He's no longer ours anymore <laughs> you know what i mean like he's everybody's everybody's at this point and the thing about when you would like when <laughs> if you ever um if you were like back in before the silk sonic you know let's say you were going on a date you could you could ask like five questions you know one was like all right what do you think about kendrick lamar you know what i'm saying do, what do you think about the malibu album uh you know what I'm saying? Uh, 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 Pocker Biggie. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Are you a Democrat or Republican? You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and, uh, you know, I mean, whatever fifth question you want. You know what I'm saying? Sushi, sushi or steak. I don't know. But I think with, he's a, such a signature person that it's like you can tell a lot from somebody in their music taste if they're like, they knew. Yeah, you were like, oh, okay. You knew who Innocent Pock is. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and so it like, cause it's like, because he wasn't a well known artist. To the point where he would play in small clubs, he would play small clubs. Mm-hmm. He wasn't playing big concerts like uh, big, big uh, venues. Now that's that that days, those days are gone. He ain't playing no small clubs anymore. You know what I mean? Like everybody knows, like if it, Anson Park, he's gonna be playing at a bigger venue, and it's like, oh man! But you want to see artist success. Um, one of the, the downfalls of the pandemic was that I was so looking forward to. it He was coming to Orlando at the club called the Social. And I was I was so excited about that. It's a small club. I was so excited about that. And then the pandemic happened and then he obviously had to cancel. And I'm like, and I was like, he's never gonna come back to the social. Not that not that <laughs> venue. He'll come back to Orlando, but he ain't coming back to the social. You know what I mean? Like you know, and so um that was my whole thing about Anderson Pac. Um as far as that why I love him, I will say that I felt like Anderson Packs. Was the super was the MVP of this album? I felt like he he was the guy that he shined through to the point where I even think Bruno leaned on him on this album because it's I don't think Bruno could have gotten to that space without Anderson. Anderson, he, he had that voice, and if I, I if I'm gonna give a parable here, um, it, or yeah, parallel co- commentary, if it, if this album was the Miami Heat. And, you know, Bruno Mars was Dwayne Wade I would say that Anderson Pac was, was LeBron James It might have been Wade County You know what I mean? It might have been his, his idea It might have been, you know what I'm saying? But the superstar on that This album, Anderson Pac was, was, was the superstar To the point where his drums The drums on each record is, is incredible you know what I mean, and he played the drums on this record, so that's the thing. I I felt like it was a it was a type of album that it highlighted him and Rob. We'll get into the next. I know where you, you know where I want to go with that, but um, Ronnie, what do you what do you think?
3: I mean, I love what you said about the uh, the Miami Heat. I was actually thinking the same, but more so the Golden State Warriors mm-hmm. the year uh, Andre Iguodala won the MVP, the mm-hmm. Finals MVP, and mm-hmm. I think that's more so because. Everybody knew Wade, everybody knew LeBron. So it was already two champions. Mm. This is one time. Everybody didn't. I remember the person I was dating at the time. She was like, Andre Iguodala. like what kind of name is whatever? Because she didn't watch basketball. Right. But you know, if you know music right. or if you know basketball, you know Andre Iguodala. Right. You know what's right. in Pac. So I was like, oh yeah, that I think that's more of a comparable. Yeah. You know, uh, what's the name? But man, like with with Pac, I re- I got on him on Dr. Dre's album, Compton. Mm. And he did a couple features on there, and I was like, yo, who's this dude? Then right after that, Malibu dropped, and I went back and, you know, just kind of looked at yeah. some of his other stuff. Yeah, But consistently, I was supposed to go to the social as well, and I was like, man, yo, pandemic happened, because was that, and Jill Scott yeah. ended up having to cancel. And, uh, man, it's just, he's consistent, man, the Free Nationals, his Tiny Desk is one of my uh-huh. favorites. Uh-huh. Yeah, It's just, he kills it, man. He, like, he understands like you said, he's a musician. musician, man. He understands his role. He does it to perfection, man. I I, I don't have many artists I can say, but like, I have nothing negative to say about him. Like, oh, yeah. man, maybe if you did this, it'd be better. Like, he, he's, he's shooting 100% from the field for me. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah,
2: um, yeah. yeah Go ahead, Rob. I, I agree. He was the star of this album. Easy. He was the star because your ears perked up a little more when you heard his voice come in, when he sang his parts. Yeah. Um and it's the it's the tone, it's the cadence ah. and it's the 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 melody that he comes in with so Bruno is a crooner mm. so to speak he's a throwback crooner with the with the smooth tones yeah. and he he eases into it. he eases into it puck. The way that he comes at you, it's like, oh, you're gonna hear what I got to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gonna, you you're gonna catch these bars. It gives you're me very You're gonna feel
3: this groove. Eddie Kendricks and David Ruffin. It's like, you know, David's mm, yeah. fast. Like, yeah. oh man, you feel it. Eddie's gonna be like, okay, right, yeah, right, that's
1: smooth. Right, right, right. Give me that score.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good I like that comparison. I do like that's that. That's a great comparison, Ronnie. That's a great throwback comparison right there.
1: I love that. Yeah. Um, that that, that, was, that was a beautiful comparison. Yeah, because Anderson, his voice is so like uh, I don't know. I, was, I think I was telling this to you, Rob, earlier. It's you can hear maybe I will tell somebody, but you can hear the Curtis Mayfield in his voice. You can hear the grit and the grime, and they're like it's just like like remember I said the R and B is messy, but it's beautiful mess. Like you can when he's your face crunches up, you be like ugh, like you know it's just it's a different type of feeling when he's like really hitting that tone. You know, I mean? especially uh when he's riding out on a record or on a chorus line, uh, it's like there's a game record, man. Um, there's a game. I think Ronnie made note it's a. Uh, he says, "Uh, like you know, rolling on the 305 It's a, you know what I'm saying, like dog. Uh-huh. He takes that record. It's not even a great game song, but but every time Anderson gets on the chorus, you know what I'm saying. It's like it, the song goes up a notch, and then when Game jumps on. <laughs> It's like it goes back down a couple notches. Then, then Anderson gets back. It was like, oh, this is a top ten song. And like, his he does that. He enhances records, man. And um, I, I just felt like when you heard this album, I, I wondered to myself, and I knew the, I know the answer. I was like, I don't think Bruno could have gotten to this space without Anderson. He couldn't gotten. He couldn't nope. get the grit and that that space. This, I, this, you know, feeling without. And he needed Anderson to kind of get him there. Like, if he let's say he did two, a twenty four carat. Type of record or 24 karat album but like Basically he's doing this album Without Anderson it would have been Like it just it would Have felt really derivative you know what I mean in a sense it just wouldn't have felt authentic But Anderson gives it the Authentic feel that I don't Even think people realize You know agreed or disagree it, or I don't know But
2: it's almost Like when they first came Together just the idea of them joining Together mm-hmm. they came To a part they came to an agreement Mm -hmm. Bruno said hey Anderson I got an idea but I need that gritty I need that that cultural funk sound we're going to do a funk I want to do a funk album and there's nobody funkier than you right now in my opinion Mm -hmm. and Anderson was like oh that's what's up Mm -hmm. now Bruno I've kind of mastered my I feel like I've mastered my lane and I'm ready to take it to the next level now. I need you to help me take it to the next level now. No long, I'm no longer gonna play the social in Orlando anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to. I want to go to Amway. Yeah. I'm going to Amway. Yeah. Bruno, I need you to take me to Amway now. Mm-hmm. Bruno said, bro, I got you. You give me your sound, I'll give you my leverage. Yeah. And we gonna fuck this shit up. Yeah." <laughs> We, and and that's wow. what I feel like that was the that was the agreement that they came to. Well, in a natural
1: sense, not like so transactional, but yeah,
2: yeah, but but, yeah, I, but in a natural, right? Yeah, like like right.
1: they both they both fucked with each other. You know, they both oh, listen. Sure. They both like recorded because I think they said the album came out naturally because I think they were just in the pandemic.
2: Thanks. They were naturally fans of each. You can tell you can tell that they're naturally <laughs> fans of each other. Yeah, in their craft.
1: Yeah, and so. I think the album came about like with them just naturally recording and that's how they started like getting, I think leave the door open was the, was the first song they, you know, Bruno started playing some strands on the, the chords on the guitar and they kind of just um, mellowed into the, 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 you know, partnership. But I do agree that I can, I do think there was some bit of, uh, there was an interview at that same interview where they talked about Bootsy naming them um, where Anderson's like, we gotta do this, we gotta do that And Bruno's like, no, trust me Like you said, we're all calculated Bruno's very calculated Like, this is how we're gonna deliver the music <clears throat> And I think the the pandemic actually affected their rollout Because Bruno yeah. likes to do a single, as you said, Ronnie And then three or four months later Do a second single and then release a tour I think they're waiting on They wanted to do a tour in, re, in relation to the album But they started seeing in a mid-year of 2021 That touring was becoming touch and go and so I think now in 2022 they're going to be more comfortable in actually um coming out with the tour and I think that's going to be what you're going to see from there. Um go I see Bru- Rob-
2: Bruno makes his music for the live show. I if agree. you listen to all of Bruno's albums that the, especially 24 karat it's catered for a live show. And with the with the live in- with live instrumentation. So If I want to take it to the next level and I know that's my bag where I want to make music that caters to a live audience. Let me get one of the best live instrumentalists and vocalists that are out there in the game right now. Let me go get Anderson. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just strategic. And it's just playing, playing, knowing the game, Bruno knows the game. And he's and he's manipulating it like on the level of a LeBron James right now. Well, just just picking just picking the pieces and putting them where they all need to be.
1: Well, I, I do want to say that um I just want to go to a quote here that uh, Bruno says the duo who spark I'm reading off a quote the duo duo who sparked for collaboration came after spending t- time on tour together in 2017. Made their live TV de- debut at the Grammy Awards in March of that this year. This is a 2020 article. It was an amazing experience to be back on the stage after the pandemic, especially with that song. For me and Andy, for the first time, we get to perform on stage. It would always be different when we were on tour together, but this is our first time. We were all about we got to wear the suits, we got go to do the we got to we got to be out, we got to work out, we got to be in the best shape of we possibly can be. It's got to be real, and I think that's kind of the like I said in 2017. I think they kind of like. Yo, I think our signs, we can kind of our things kind of mesh together. Like we can, this kind of works. Let's figure out how to do this, and this kind of goes into the next step Unless Ronnie, you want to piggyback or anything? No, no,
3: no, no. I see the next subject, and I, I want to get to that too.
1: I, th- it's fascinating why artists don't do more collabs. I don't understand it. Like it's like why don't they do it? Like it's, I felt like this album. Um, I'm gonna give another collab, that, a famous collab that I think. Uh, the you know I think it's really apropos the watch the throne and in watch the throne it felt like an offshoot of my beautiful dark twisted fantasy and I felt like when you, uh, not this, jay did his thing jay did his, you can't it's hard for jay not to do his thing, especially with great production but Kanye was the one he's the one who's shown on that album he, it's it's clearly a Kanye ear. On that album You know what I mean And it's Kanye's sound And I think It's like it. Was, I would say like Between My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy And then a year later Watch The Throne Or it was like Two years later watch, No it was a year later Watch The Throne Yeah Watch The Throne was a year after that um, That's That was peak Kanye Like that's like that's like, you know, like, you know, like uh, um Jordan in 93 winning the championship, the MVP and the in the Olympics. You know what I mean, all in the same <laughs> year like Kanye had a run with My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy and Watch the Throne, you're like, yo, that dude's that dude's on and then he came out the next year with good music. You know what I mean? Like so he was hitting like he's like like back to back to back, you know, uh championships like the 2001 to 2003 Lakers. Like he was the, he was just running through them. Um, and uh, I I felt like you know when you have these collab albums, there's that one person that stands out, and I felt like this album we talked about um, Anderson Park standing out. But I I wonder why don't artists like do more collabs? Like our sounds mesh. Let's let's go ahead and do that. I think uh uh, uh, uh um what's it called A Young Thug and um what's call it called?
2: um Twenty One Savage. Nah, not was it Twenty.
3: 20- uh-huh. Uh one of them,
1: yeah. I know what you're talking
3: about, but, uh yeah, yeah. It's been a few collabs. Uh, you know, uh Kiss and Fab did it, Freddie versus Jason.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah.
3: Yeah, Fab, Fab took a L. Um Yeah, he
1: but, yeah, he did. Yeah.
3: But yeah, I agree, man, there, there's definitely especially in R and B, man, you know, we were in the days with the LSGs when they, yeah. you know, they came mm-hmm. together. It is somebody coming together. Uh Dave Hollister. Ah, oh, man, who else is he? with? I gotta look it up, but I know it's another collab group that's coming, so there are a few that you know that are out there,
1: is but it, I do think, yeah, is it Carl think Thomas benefits. It's Dave, is Dave, Carl Collins, Thomas. Is, yeah, and Carl Thomas, yeah,
3: it's somebody else, though. It's a three man group, oh, uh, okay, okay, yeah, it's I can't remember what it is, but who the third person was. Oh, uh, Donnell Jones, oh, yeah, oh, that's wow. right. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, it's very Chicago going on up there, um. But you know, I, I think you know if we get to that, especially in the women era, like the, I feel like we get like these two women on here on some some her and SZA type shit. Mm-hmm. I
0: think
3: like, crazy man, like. But I think everybody wants to be that person though, especially yeah, the young. There
2: you, group. Is, there you go.
3: Man, I gotta be. That's why there's no more groups. You yeah. know? It's pretty much all solo artists. So you know, I think everybody just wants to be that person. And even in hip hop, everybody wants to be that person. But that's why everybody loves the Migos still because. When they get together, you know, I don't really even care about the solo Migos stuff. When they get together, I'm like, okay, this makes sense. Because yeah. it sounds different, but they're, the game. they're together at the same time. So all of us collab, and I think, you know, we need definitely need more.
1: The Migos are funny, though. Because, I'm sorry. Let me just say the Migos are funny because not in no shade, but shade. Uh, they're like CB4 to me. Like, you know, when CB4 breaks up, <laughs> like, they don't sound great individually, you know what I mean? But then when they come together, like, ah, yes. Like that's what you know what I mean, like that that makes sense. But like when they're when they're separate, it's like I'm black, y'all. I'm blackity black. And it's like, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I don't want to hear all that. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, so like get back to doing
2: doing things in a collective. But go ahead, Rob. Um, Ronnie hit it right on the head. We don't see more of this because of egos. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's it's just that simple to me. We don't see more of this because wait for somebody that has made their fame, especially for somebody that's made their fame off of solo albums. Now I need to share a percentage. And even if it's not about the money, let's just talk about my legacy. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Now I may sacrifice my legacy if this other person outshines me on this album, because we're always gonna compare. We're comparing society, music, sports, whatever, um, acting, everything. We're, we always compare the greats. Who's better? Who, rank them. Rank the list. Who's better? Who's greater? And you sa- You risk the chance of sacrificing your legacy and your ranking on that list. And, I, and let's just be honest. I think that's definitely why we don't see more women do it, more quote-unquote divas do it because you know they're like nah. i'm you know I don't, i'm comfortable with my position and i know where i stand in my lane um her is somebody that i could see doing it mm-hmm. actually, because if you've seen her most recent concert um that she's doing her her concert that she's doing uh she brings on uh, a it. lot of people yeah, she yeah. brings on a lot of the new artists r and b artists uh so the theme to her's new concert is r and b isn't dead
1: so it's interesting I'm sorry, go rob go ahead
2: yeah, so so I can see someone like like her doing that, but I don't necessarily see like a scissor doing it, yeah, I don't see a um what's what's my girl that just came out with the album last I'm week? Welcome. Yeah. Summer Walker. Yeah, I don't see a Summer Walker doing that, kind of doing like a collab album. So unfortunately, I don't think we're going to see as much of it from, from the ladies. Yeah. Um, from the guys, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and do it. I know it's taboo to call it out there, but I'm going to say it because I saw them on, in concert at North Carolina a Homecoming in 2004, uh, Jay-Z and R. Kelly.
1: Okay, here's the thing about that. Here's Listen. the thing here's the thing about that. Here's the thing about that. That It should have worked if he wasn't. It should right. It should have worked, but the problem the reason it didn't work is because they weren't on the same page mentally and right. and spiritually.
2: Right. You know what I mean right. like they they musically it made money sense. It made business. It made good business sense musically. But you, you could tell Jay wasn't on the time that that um, R. Kelly was uh, on. That R. Kelly was. They on. didn't. You know,
1: yeah. they weren't in the same studio. Like, let's let's go ahead and make like they, they, when you listen to the, the best of both worlds and best of both worlds too. You could tell like the first time best of both worlds was like, oh, we missed the mark, but maybe we can get it right on the second one. And
2: it's like it didn't. Second one was worse.
1: It was second one was worse. <laughs> and then, so like it, it it was like it should have made sense. You know what I mean? Especially, and I think really what happened was I think they hit one with Fiesta, and they were like, "Oh, that mm-hmm. worked." Let's see if we can do a whole album with fiestas. But yeah, you know, it didn't work. It didn't work, man. And um, They didn't stay away from them collab albums, man. Because low key, the
3: Carters, I, I got Beyonce, outshining and Jay on that too.
2: Yeah, so yeah. Don't lost the <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what? J- yeah, because then when Beyonce got in her rat bag on oh, the cars, wow. yeah. I was like, whoa. whoa, whoa, whoa yeah. Leave her alone. Oh, yeah. Jay, Jay, for some reason. You're putting he, your pants on, Jay. You know, what, <laughs>
1: you know what's great funny about this? Let This is another part of this conversation, but I there might be a whole podcast on when Jay invites people onto his records, he gets washed. Get washed. But then when he's on <laughs> other people's shit, he washes them. <laughs> like, it's weird. Like, you know, people come, you know what I mean people come onto his records and you be like, oh, I don't know, Jay. Like Ross kinda got you on, you know what I'm saying? He kinda got you on his record. And
2: then and then when Eminem he, took this track.
1: Eminem <laughs> took this track, you know, and then you know, then when he but when Jay goes onto like Ross record, he outshines Ross. You know what I mean? Or when he goes on a Jeezy's record, you know what I mean, he mm. killed Jeezy. But when Jeezy's on his record, you remember Jeezy's uh, uh, bars more than you remember Jay's bars. So it's actually a funny thing about that. Like, I don't know what it is about that. Like... Pimp C and Bumby. Pimp C and Bumby both... You know what I mean? Like, it's just... It's a fascinating... I, I've i kind of noticed that over the years. I just never voiced it. But I've noticed, like, damn, every time Jay gets on a record he washes people every time he gets but every time you put somebody on his record like it's like oh god jay <laughs> that dude kind of got or she kind of got you on that one <laughs> like
2: you know i don't know if it's a conscious thing is that a jay thing or is that just like a a rap game thing i don't know like,
3: I everybody wants to bring their number one yeah, yeah. If, I'm, if i'm
2: going to record with
3: jay i'm bringing my
2: best part right yeah because i feel like big sean does that a lot yeah when Big Sean gets on somebody else's track, he murders that joint.
1: But when people get on his shit, but when people get on his stuff, it's kind of like yeah,
2: it's kind of touch and go. You know, it's touch and goes. Like, oh, Sean, he might have got you. You know, all right, Cam, we're gonna say we're gonna save this. We're gonna bring Ronnie back in season two, and we're gonna do a deep dive on this. <laughs> this, this, this we got I'll, something I'll, I'll here. person who
3: doesn't let anybody outshine him either way. And that's three thousand. He's gonna, you,
1: oh, yeah.
3: He's gonna kill his tracks, and you're he's gonna kill your track. Yeah,
1: yeah. you know yeah. that's actually it's funny we mentioned Bun B and P- P- Pimp C. There's a oh, there's a whole story behind that players um, that that with, song. Uh, yeah, like three uh, six, yeah, three six mafia. Like that's I think you know the story I'm talking about, like how like mm-hmm. it came about and. Andre was like I'm gonna do the track and then big boys like I'm gonna try and then, but they didn't know without the drums and yeah. with the drums, with the drums and that's why Andre's tracks are without the drums but and then actually three six mafia was posted but now three six mafia is not on but that's why they're in the video like it's like a whole know. thing but <laughs> um it's it's like uh and then I think I keep I know we keep diverting but then um <laughs> uh, uh Bum B says like when he he said he was gonna cut Andre's song but he's like he, when you listen to obviously now, when you listen, he, he's like, "There's nowhere I could have cut it. Like it just it was such an incredible journey on that particular song. Like I just had to let the entire that's why he had the longest bars at everybody. He's like, I had to let the entire thing flow because it's just an incredible, you know, piece of work, you know. And so anyway, uh, that, the greatest
2: like, intro, one of the greatest intros on a on a track, easily ever.
1: I think it's I think it between I I don't know what's the better intro, Meek Mills. Or that mm. one ooh, ooh. I don't know. I, I,
3: I put it, I put international only because it can be played anywhere. Yeah. Like you can play at a wedding. I, w- at, hey, know, I played
1: I played Meek Mill at a, a wedding. I've been <laughs> in the
2: club with me
0: tonight.
2: That that's the right time to play it.
0: Like, yeah.
2: That that you're right. You're right, Ronnie. You're right though. Like to on a to the main scale weddings, yeah. club, you know, parties, cookouts, you can play international players anthem. Yeah. But when 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 dreams and night, when it gets home court advantage in the <laughs> club, <laughs> it's, it's unmatched.
1: But I will say why dreams well, um, excuse me, why international players goes goes uh, harder because everybody from my mom to you know, the rap head can spit that line. It's, Mm -hmm. not a lot of people can go bar for bar in that Meek Mill, you know, opening. Like, that's, you gotta be a rap head to kind of, like, do that thing, verse for verse, bar for bar, you know what I'm saying?
2: I've seen, I've seen ladies hit that, hit that Meek Mill bar. Boy, Yeah, they be killing it. (laughs) (laughs) They would know it word for word, they be killing it.
1: Yeah, but I digress. But we digress. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, th- and that part of the podcast is called uh just hip hop shit. <laughs> we just, so, you know, we got into our hip hop shit for a little bit. Um uh, but yo, next season. Yeah, that's more for next season, man. But um, yeah. So let's let's uh uh. I know we talked about collabs, man. But like, it's just final thoughts on the album because we're coming up on ninety minutes here, and um, you know, I just want to hear what everybody has to say. Uh, your final thoughts album of the year you know anything just finalize it
3: definitely um in contention for album of the year like i said it's it's top 2 i don't think it's close i mean it's top yeah top 2 kings disease is up there for me as well um definitely enjoy it you know it's it's, it's still day 1 i mean it's been out for pretty much 24 hours at this point and it's you know getting these rave reviews that it definitely deserves so i'm you know i'm proud of him hope that, you know, Bruno's here. He's, he's been here, and for Pop, he's been here, but, you know, I hope that Pop can take it to the next level as well. If that's where he wants to go, I hope he really gets his flowers outside of the core fans, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I love it, and you know, I'm excited to see, you know, this, this concert, because I'm going. I don't know. whatever I, If I gotta sell my daughters,
2: then they gotta go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, I appreciate this album. Yeah. Mm, but I appreciate it because it took me back to a time where I was raised where Saturday it took me back to Saturday mornings when my parents would play music on the speakers while they're cleaning up the house in, in the morning and my dad's in the garage with his tools and he's got his music playing. And I'm still wiping crust out of my eyes, but I hear Curtis Mayfield in the background as I wake up from my dream. Still, Sonic took me back with that, with this album. And I appreciate it. And I appreciate true R&B because to my core, I'm an R&B fan first. To my core, I love hip hop, um, but I'm an R&B guy first. And this sound in this album was very very retro retrospective and and i just appreciate everything they came with and i want to see this momentum carry on to your point earlier kamar i want to see more artists say okay i can do this too i can recreate i can put my own spin on an old school sound and i can bring the bridge back and we can do this like like the like back in like the guys in the um you know in the Drew Hills and the Jodice's. bring groups back. Let's let's make that a hashtag. Bring bring R&B groups back. I miss R&B groups. Um so hopefully Silk Sonic has kind of started a new trend and we bring things back full circle here. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So I'll just say this man, one of the thing I, I did appreciate about this album um there was a lot of things I appreciated but I did, I I appreciated the bringing back the sexiness in R&B. Um, we talked about, um, you know, a, 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 what's her name? Uh, um, Summer Summer Walker and her album. And it was a good album. And I, one of the things I did like about Summer Al- Walker, album again, there was a lot of storytelling. Now, what I will say, it was really, really greatly produced. It was a great produced album.
2: Extremely, very well produced album. Well produced album. Yep. Sonically,
1: it sounded great. Um you know, and it had a storytelling. Clearly, she's talking about the dude that she had a baby with, who actually produced nine of the tracks on the album. That's kind of weird, but whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, but at the end of the day, it's a it's a great storytelling album. But what I appreciated about it, about this album, Silk Sonic, was the fact that it's um, it was it just brought back the sexiness and the idea of it. And I was doing this podcast with a drink in my hand. You know, it may, it may it's you always got to appreciate an album that makes you want to bring out the brown liquor. Mm-hmm. That's R and B right there. It's a brown liquor
2: album. There you go, brown, and, you brown liquor album.
1: And yeah. so, like, that's what I'm gonna call this podcast: brown liquor music. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, like, it's it's the quintessential brown liquor music, and I appreciate that. And we got to bring back some of that brown liquor music. You know what I mean? Because you know, too much, too much, too much turn up. Too much, too much, uh, 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 too much swipe left, swipe right music. You know what I mean? Too much, you know, Casamigos. You know what I mean? As a zoo like it's too much. Like I, I don't need all that. I want some brown liquor in half a glass, two ice cubes, one ice cube, no ice cubes. You know what I mean? I need some of that type of music, and that's swear I appreciate about it. And so I appreciate y'all for um listening to this pod, man. I appreciate you guys joining me, um. I feel like this is the flyest podcast That you're ever going to listen to Especially in regards to uh, Not only the guests But also the content And because of that I know I said I was going to take a break But listen When things in black culture Require me to comment I'm going to do that Especially something as fly As this album So with that being said I'm going to ride out with The perfect song to end it And uh, with that being said till next time One, two, Back you on a, uh.
0: Okay, 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 now have you ever been with a player? Take you downtown where they treat me like the maid Take you to the crib where you take it upstairs. What's upstairs? Shit, I'ma show you later. Don't need a spatula, everything cated. Extra flavor, go ahead. sprinkle some truffles on your mashed potatoes. I'm trying to love Is you gon' love me back? Y'all only get what you get.